0: All right, let's uh, let's let's jump in. So, you know, this for the past four weeks, we have been in a teaching series in this portion of our worship gathering called All In. And we've been talking about what it looks like for us as God's people to be all in. And so we spent two weeks really looking at this idea of the presence of God, that as God's people, both individually and corporately, the thing that marks us, that makes us different, that it's not just a bunch of nice people who are gathered here, that the thing that distinguishes us is the presence of God. And as his people, we don't just come here to sing songs. We come here because we want to know and walk with God. Amen. Right, And so the presence of God marks us. And then we spent two weeks, last week and the week before, talking about this reality that we are God's people. And, and so much of our existence, it's, it is about us and God, our eyes being on the Lord, enjoying the presence of the Lord. But if that's all we have, if we have no connection with the people that are sitting next to us, if we don't know what's going on in their life, if we're not walking with other brothers and sisters, encouraging, receiving encouragement, then we're actually missing out on the design that God created us for. And so we spent two weeks looking at the presence of God. We spent two weeks talking about us being the people of God. And today and next Sunday, we're going to spend some time talking about what it looks like for us. To live into our purpose, the purpose that God has for us. And, and our purpose, it's going to be abundantly clear, is that you and I would partner with God to reach those in our city and beyond that don't know Jesus. And I'm really excited about next Sunday, what we're going to be doing. And I'm excited about what today's going to look like as we really lean into this idea of us embracing our purpose. And so today, we're going to be looking at just one passage of Scripture, one verse. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. You can turn in your Bibles. It's on page 829. If you're using one of our Bibles, 829, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. I encourage you to memorize this verse this week. To spend some time putting this word in your heart. And this is what the Apostle Peter... One of the 12 that Jesus chose that lived life for Jesus for 3 years, he sits down and he writes this letter towards the end of his life and we're going to just look at one verse from his letter today and this is what he writes 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 12. He says this, live such good lives among the nations that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Listen to that one more time. He says, "Live this is instruction to us as his brothers and sisters, as followers of Jesus, he says, live such good lives among the nations that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. You know, um, when, when you see someone who is living out the ways of Jesus, man, there is something that is, is, is magnetic about their life. And I bet you could name moments in your life yourself where you've just burned brightly for Jesus and maybe someone noticed and commented or, or better yet, there's probably people in your life right now that, that you could think of. If I go, man, who is someone that is living out the ways of Jesus? How have you seen that, experienced it? If you're a follower of Jesus, my guess is that someone is probably coming to your mind. I love what Peter says. He says, live such good lives. That word good. In the Greek, it's the word kalos. And what it means is this. It means Better. He says, live a better life. It means honorable. It means an attractive, beautiful life. And so this is what Peter is saying. He said, your life as God's people should be so different, so distinguished than the life of anyone else in the world. It's like, whoa, that's a a big statement. (laughs) What Peter is saying is that because the presence of God is inside of you, and when you put to words the practice of that, that he has spoken, that, that your life, it shines, it reflects. There is something that is so desirable when the ways of Jesus are actually flowing out of our lives. Think about a couple of examples. There's a guy in our church family, his name's Nick and, and Corey. I see Corey here. We were eating breakfast on um, Thursday morning with a group of guys and, and Nick was a part of it. And he was telling us about a coworker of his. And one of his coworkers was going through a really just kind of hard time in a lot of debt and was working really hard to get out of debt and had done some things to get out of debt and it just seemed like everything was working against him. And so Nick just has this idea, you know, I've got some, some books at home and if I sell those books, I bet I can make a lot of money and give it to him. And so he puts these books on eBay, sells it for $1,000, Dungeons and Dragons books. Who knew those were worth so much money? Golly, I'm in the wrong business. And so he sells, he sells these books. He takes $1,000 and gives to his coworker. And I go, man, that, that, that thought, that, that generosity, that kindness, that ability to notice someone else in need and go, man, what can I give to help this person? And I go, man, it is so distinguished. There's something that is attractive about that way of living. I think about my mom my mom's a follower of Jesus. She teaches special education in uh, the school system that I grew up in in small town Kentucky. And my mom, um, she she teaches um, high school special education students. And she was telling me earlier this summer, she said, you know, um, my students, she said, summer is not like your summer growing up. And I'm like, what do you mean? She said, for a lot of my students, they don't have any friends. And she said, all summer, they, you know, they love coming to school because they get to see their friends and they get to play and learn, but they go home and they're just by themselves. And so mom said, I'm gonna, you know, I have a swimming pool at my house. I'm gonna throw my students a pool party this summer. And so she invited all of her students and had pizza. And she made homemade ice cream. And one of the kids, um, you know, parents dropped all the kids off. And one of the kids, and when, when their mom showed up, said, Miss Denise, let me drink three Sprites. Tonight it was so awesome. And, and my mom's like, that's not what I was going for. But, you know, anyways. And, and, and I see that in my mom. And I'm going, I mean, there's something better about that life. You know, we, we see it in ourselves. We see it in others when the ways of Jesus Peter says this, live such good lives. This means that, that for those of us who are followers of Jesus, it's not just what our, we do here on Sunday mornings, but every part of our life, the way that we interact with our roommates, mean, um, the way that we interact in dating relationships, um, the, the way we interact with, with our neighbors and our spouses, that... That the unseen places that no one else sees, you know, we put on our best here, but I go think about the rest of your life outside of this one hour on Sunday morning. He says, live such a good life, a beautiful, desirable, distinguished, attractive life. Then he says this, among the Gentiles, and, and I love this, this Maybe your Bible says pagans, or maybe it says uh, among the the Gentiles, or maybe it says the nations. And all Peter is trying to describe there is people who are not God's people. People who who don't know about Jesus, who haven't given their life to Jesus, who have not experienced the grace of Jesus. And so it's his way of saying, hey, live your life around people who don't know Jesus but live in such a good way. And so I was thinking this week, this, this is so important for us to understand because Peter doesn't say live like the rest of the world and he doesn't say live away from the rest of the world. He makes this distinguishing word that we have to embrace in our hearts. He says, you must live such good lives among. You know, our tendency as followers of Jesus, that's a, that's a narrow road. That's a hard road to walk on if we're being honest to be in this world, not of this world, to be among people of this world, but to not adopt their values and for the things of this world to not rub off on us. And, and if we're being honest, man, that road is a hard one to walk. And I've noticed in my own life that there are these kind of two ditches that it's really easy to, to get into. It's like if, the, if the, the road that we're trying to walk on is, is being among and, and, and living good life, one of the ditches that Christians can often fall into is this idea of separation. Where we look at the world and we look at everything that's going on in our culture and we go, you know what? To hell with the world. I'm going to just take care of myself. And my holiness is the only thing that matters. As long as I'm getting my quiet time in and as long as me and my friend group are good, I don't have to, to do anything because culture has rejected Jesus, cares nothing about us. And there's, and there's something in that spirit that is off. There's also something about it that's really good. Oftentimes when we get in this ditch, there's a very high view of holiness, And what that means is that you're taking your spiritual life and the things that you're watching and doing very seriously, that you want to honor God with every part of your life. And so this ditch is not all bad. There's a a beautiful characteristic of holiness in it. But if we're being really honest, times in my life where I've lived in that ditch, the things that I've noticed coming out of my heart and my mouth are very judgmental and critical that I look at the rest of the world and I'm like, I want nothing to do with that. The problem with living in this ditch is that though you're holy, man, you're really far from people. People who don't know Jesus don't have access to you because you've pulled yourself so far away. The other ditch that Christians so easily get in is, is a ditch of conforming. If this ditch is a ditch of distancing, this is a ditch of conforming, where so often what happens, we come in with the best of intentions, wanting to, to step into places, step into to friend groups, step into sorority, step into your workplace, step into your neighborhood, step into a relationship. And, and you stepped in with the best of intentions to, to raise the spiritual temperature, but if you're being really honest what happened is you stepped into this life and instead of living among, you look just like the world. You talk the same. You watch the same things. Your life is, is marked by, by, by drunkenness and, and you stepped in, man, to, I want to go to get drinks with my coworkers after work and, 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 and you came in with the best of intentions but you've noticed, man, I've... I'm, I'm starting to care more about what I'm drinking than I am the conversation. I'm caring more about, you know, how much alcohol I'm taking than I, than I am helping them take in the, the Lord and his heart. And, 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 and if you're being really honest, it is so easy to, to get in this ditch because the world around us is just swirling, just drifting and makes us easily just move into this place of looking just like the world. And Peter makes this statement live such good lives among the world. And they go, this is the life that that Jesus lived. The one that we're following. That he looked at our condition. He looked at that that we're far from God, that we have no hope. And, and his, his response wasn't to stay up in heaven as our creator and say, hey, get it together. You know, get it figured out. Like, No, he, he came down. He entered the mess. He lived among us. He got into a place where the, 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 the contamination of the world, and the contamination of bad doctrine, and the contamination that could rub off on him. But I love Jesus. He came among, and the whole time, everywhere Jesus went, instead of the culture pulling him down, he raised the temperature up everywhere he went. And that same spirit that was in Jesus is in you. That because Christ is in you, you have the ability to, to live in a culture that is in rebellion to King Jesus and around people who want nothing to do with him and yet your influence and your life and your words and your heart have the ability to impact and bring up instead of you just you down. It says live such a good life. Live such a desirable, attractive, beautiful, distinguished, different life that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds. And this is so interesting to me. The word that Peter uses here, it's the word katalalelo. Um, and it means that people will speak evil and they're gonna slander and they're gonna say bad things against you. He says, although they say evil things about you. And, and, and we go, wait a minute. How in the world could, could people speak evil about us? if we're living a good life? How can those two things exist together? Shouldn't the world commend us and not come against us if we're living this good life? And the reality is that there are so many places, you think about the value system of Jesus and the value system of the world and concentric circles, there are places where those values overlap. Man, no one in our culture is gonna be hard on us for caring for the poor. Like the world's not gonna come against us and slander us because we generously give of ourselves to, to take care of orphans. The world's not gonna come against us when, when we, we give our lives to serving the refugee and the foreigners among us. The world is not gonna come against us when, 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 when we do things that align, those concentric circles of overlap. But here's the difference, that, that there are places the value system of Jesus and the value system of the world where they come to a head and, and they can't coexist. That there are things that, that Jesus says are good, that the world says is not good. That there are things that the, the world says are good, that Jesus says is not good. And, and there are some times, you know, we, we want to be commended. We want to be paddled back. We want it to be easy. We want to do things in this world. And the reality is that should we choose to really follow Jesus, there are going to be times where the world doesn't celebrate us, where the world actually speaks evil against us, says that we're doing bad. You know, an example of this, I'd say maybe the chief example of this is is our belief that Jesus Christ is the only one who saves. As followers of Jesus, we don't believe that Jesus coexists with Muhammad and Buddha And whatever else is is cool, whatever else, as long as you're a nice person and don't harm anyone else. And that is the, the belief system of our culture. As long as you don't impact someone else negatively, as long as you don't wrong anyone, everyone is happy. And the problem is, is that's not what Jesus teaches The problem is, Jesus says, everyone must turn to me. Have faith in me, respond to me. That you must turn away from darkness. You must lay aside every other religion that this is the chief way of living, following me. And when we start believing that, When we live that out, the world does not like that. The world comes against that. It says evil things. Man, you're 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 thinking too small-minded. You're bigot, you're hurting people, you're harmful, you're 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 you're, you're hurt, you're you're harmful in the things that you're saying and doing. Man, and I'm not saying that we go around just. Point out everybody, hey, you're in darkness. You're far from God. You don't. But we live with this heart posture that we understand that unless people turn to Jesus, they are living in darkness. And so our, our heart's desire is to help them know Jesus. And when they start talking about pursuing other ways of spirituality or other religions, we know in our heart, man, we, we, the Lord's not patting them on the back. The Lord's not going, hey, that's okay, as long as you're a nice person. No, the Lord died on a cross to save you and to save me. And there are gonna be times where when we choose to follow Jesus, it's gonna be costly, and it's gonna look like we're being hateful and harmful, but we live with an eternal perspective. And so in this world, in this life, people can say things, and they can do things, and we can stand We can withstand some some hateful and harmful words because ultimately we care about their souls. And I'm telling you, the culture that we live in, it is way easier to just go along with whatever belief and we pretend like that is loving. But reality, what's happening is it's easier on us in the moment. It's easier on us. But when we live with an eternal perspective, this is where Peter gets into it. I love what he, he keeps saying. He says that though they accuse you of doing wrongs, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. You know, I love what, what, how Peter ends that because it's, it's meant to put hope and, and courage and it's, it's meant to, to raise the faith level in us because this is what Peter is saying. Do you understand the incredible potential in your life for people who currently do not know Jesus to come to know Jesus simply through watching you live your life. Do you understand that? That there are people right now who are living in darkness, who do not know Jesus, who do not love Jesus, who do not walk Jesus, but because they see your life. You're just normal, everyday life but the way that you live is so compelling, so different, so bold, so consistent, so congruent, so peaceful, so purposeful that the witness of your life will actually serve to help other people come to know Jesus. And who doesn't want that? Man, I wanna stand before Jesus one day And for so the Lord to be like, hey, you have no idea. Because you refused to live in this ditch, being away, and because you refused to live in this ditch, but, but you chose to live among, you chose to put yourself in places where people didn't agree with you and where there was potential conflict, and where you chose to live your life in such a way that people were gonna come against you and say things, but you remain true to me. People came to know me because of your bold witness. There'll be a moment where each of us stand face to face with Jesus. A day that, that when he returns, he's gonna come from heaven on the clouds. Feet will be on this earth. You will see the one who died for you. And I'm telling you, in that moment, and in that moment, we are going to, we are going to have wanted, and we're gonna wish that we have lived our life with a lot more courage. <laughs> carrying a whole lot less about what people thought about us and how the culture responded, we're gonna care a whole lot more about what the king of kings who died for us thought. And so may we not live our lives in this timid way, and may we not live our lives, and I think part of the tension that some of us are feeling is that it's like, okay, so how do we actually live this out? And it's about embracing a life of good deeds. Yes, yeah, so we believe that Jesus is the only way to God. He's not one among many. That doesn't mean that we get to be mean and arrogant and self-righteous. It means that we get to be the, the chief servants in our city and that we're the most generous and that when there's a need in our city, God's people are the first to sign up. And so even though people might not like our, our stance with Jesus, they, are, they cannot deny the good deeds. They might not like our, our, our stance with King Jesus, but when they look at our life, they go, man, those people serve and they give and they, and they sacrifice themselves. And, and here's the deal. What happens so often is that Christians, man, we make bold statements, but we don't back it up. Our lives don't reflect the good deeds. So the invitation today is to be people of good deeds. To be people who stand boldly with King Jesus who are not afraid of what people think or say because we know deep in our hearts that, that we are living true to Jesus. And that's honestly all that matters. And I'm excited about what next Sunday is going to look like as we, as we talk about this reality of, okay, so how do we share Jesus? Practically, evangelism, what does that look like? And we've got, you've got to be here next Sunday. It's going to be awesome. That's all I'm going to say for now, a little teaser. You've got to come back to get the rest. So here's how I want to end today. You know, some of you this morning, you come in and, and you realize that you've been, um, you, you, you are living this contagious life for Jesus, but you've been really distant from the world. You've been living over in this ditch. You have something to offer this world, you have something to offer people. And my encouragement to you this week is to ask God for opportunities to be among the world. And pay attention to the the things that he puts in front of you. For some of you, it might require some looking into for for you to think about, man, what am I passionate about? And and how can I put myself? You know, I'm in house church, and I come here, and I've got a Christian friend group, and I don't have any friends. Well, think about some opportunities that you and your friend group could strategically put yourself to to influence, to bring up the spiritual temperature. I think about Brooks Loki, who leads our volunteers. (laughs) And many, many years ago, Brooks loves baseball. And and, and he realized that there was a need for baseball coaches in the Creve Hall Baseball League. And so Brooks goes, you know what? I'm going to live this out. So he signs up to be a baseball coach. He doesn't have any kids. Because he gets it. You know, for you to think about what are you passionate about? What are you good at? How can you put yourself around people who don't know Jesus to bring up a spiritual temperature? Some of you, maybe you come here this morning. And you realize that you've actually been living in this ditch? Man, you, you started off in your relationship, and man, you guys were pursuing God, and that relationship has just spiraled downward. You're not honoring the Lord in your holiness, you're not seeking the Lord's face. Some of you, you realize, man, you, you, you got into a Nashville Sports League team to, to pull up the, the spiritual temperature, but it's only pulled you down. Some of you, you, you realize that you started hanging out with some of your neighbors and the purpose of, of helping them grow, but it's only pulled you down. And so today, you know, I want you to embrace one of the greatest gifts that God gives us in this ditch, and that's the ditch uh, or the, the gift of confession and repentance. Just the acknowledgement of, man, God, I've missed it. And then turning. Literally, repentance is just turning. It's, it's going the opposite direction. God cares nothing about you lingering in this ditch. No lingering in this shame. No lingering in this sadness. He cares about you starting to walk in line with his heart. And for some of you today, it's just acknowledging, God, I look a lot more like the world than like you, but I'm not okay with that. And then some of you this morning, man, you're burning brightly for God. And I want to encourage you to pay attention to the rhythms, the things that you're doing. Guard those. Man, guard your time with the Lord, guard the, the scripture, guard your house church, guard the things that, that if, if, if this love of Jesus, if you are living this contagious, beautiful life among the lost, it's probably because the right things are being poured into you and guard those things. Pay attention to things that you're watching, things that you're listening to, the people that you're around, the people who are pouring into you, the things that you're choosing to put into practice. And I wanna to end today with just a really practical Several really amazing opportunities for our church family. If you come here today and you go, man, I, I really want to live among, but, but I need some guidance. I need some steering. And it's really cool. We've got three opportunities to tell you about. Um, one opportunity is with an organization called Young Life. How many of you guys have ever been involved in Young Life? So yeah, lots of people. That's cool. Yeah. So today, we, after this gathering, we've got a table set up over here. Some representatives from Young Life are here with us. And, and here's what's so cool, you know, Young Life is, in, is a ministry that is targeting teenagers, meets them on their turf. See Young Life volunteers on Friday nights, hanging out with kids, you see them in the cafeteria, you see them in the coffee shop, and the whole purpose of Young Life is to help teens come to know Jesus. And maybe you come here today and you're like, man, I came to know Jesus as a teenager. I would love to, to invest in a teen, and I'm telling you, Nothing would be more beautiful than to see this church family just leveraged in our city, discipling students. So today, if if you come here, man, at at the end of our gathering, there's gonna be some representatives at the Young Life table. Go and talk to them. Two other really cool opportunities. There's this... Nonprofit organization in our city called the Martha O'Brien Center, and if you're a part of the Cannery family, we've been partnering with uh, Martha O'Brien for a long time. This is cool. I didn't know this. Brooks did some research. Martha O'Brien is the oldest nonprofit in Nashville. Been serving Nashvillians for 130 years, and I love this part of their mission of Martha O'Brien is to help families leave poverty in one generation. So you think about this, so many of of what's going on, I think what God's stirring up in our heart is this this desire for justice, this desire to, to help people who are poor, who are in poverty. I'm going, what an amazing opportunity. If you have a heart for justice, if you have a heart for the poor, man, jump, jump in. Martha O'Brien Center, one generation you can make a change that will change a family line forever. And so it's so amazing. They do after school work for, for, for kids in kindergarten through eighth grade. They're, they're needing people to help doing tutoring. If you're interested in this, There can be an opportunity. You can go on our website, ethoschurch.org forward slash serve our city. And then one last amazing organization called Youth Encouragement Services, we call YES. They've been a staple in the Napier neighborhood for 65 years in Nashville. And what's so cool is like these three organizations, Young Life and Martha O'Brien and YES, it's 50 years, it's 65 years, 130 years. These are not things that, that we started, things that God's people have been doing for decades and decades before us. And the generation before us is looking at us and going, man, this generation is a generation of talk. Are we gonna do something about it? And they're offering us a torch. Are we gonna step in? Or Do we really care about systemic poverty and systems that are, are working? Us? Well, we can make a change. Why, yes, it's so beautiful what they do. Their goal is to provide a safe alternative to the streets for kids and teens during their free time through a Christ-centered community. And so every day, 150 kids participate in one of their after-school programs. It's tutoring, it's spiritual development, it's seasonal sports leagues. And so you can find out about opportunities at ethoschurch.org slash We'd love for you to jump in. So here's how I want us to end today. I want to invite us to stand up. We're gonna go and take communion, get a piece of bread, cup of juice. And I encourage you to, to get that and come back and to circle up with the people around you and to just spend some time being really honest. Man, do I look like the world? Or am I living life away from the world? Or am I right in the middle? And I encourage you, no matter what surfaces, pray for each other, pray for opportunities. If, if, if you go, man, I just feel like God's inviting me to, to ask my boss to, to give me an afternoon one Uh, off once a a week, and and so I can go and participate with YS, so I can participate with Martha O'Brien, so I can be a part of Young Life. Man, don't be afraid to take a risk. Okay, let me pray. God, thanks for my brothers and sisters here today. Thanks for what you're doing. Thank you for the love in this room for you. God, I pray that as we gather around the, the bread and the juice, as we gather around your broken body and your shed blood, that we just understand that all this is because of you, that you've brought us into your family, you've put your spirit in us, and God, I pray that we would leave this place today and that we would live good lives in our neighborhoods, and our schools, and our workplaces. God, if I said anything today, my words or my tone, God, that was not from you, let it be forgotten and forgiven. God, that the things that are from you, would they bear fruit? Um, all for your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray, Amen. Let's go and take communion. If you want to talk or pray, there'll be some people at the Respond Banner. We'd love to help however we can. So let's go take communion now. Circle up your chairs and people around you really wrestle with where you are right now.